Welcome to Fashion Your Seatbelt, your first class seat to one-on-one conversations with the fashion industry's top voices. I'm Jessica Michaud, and I created this podcast to share the joy I have in getting to know all the amazing people who bring this creative, inventive, and extraordinary business to life. You'll get to hear the cadence of their voices, the sound of their laughter, and feel firsthand how passionate they are about what they do. Also, I just want to remind you to leave a review. Stars are really trending right now, and it helps other very stylish listeners like yourself find the show. Now buckle up, and let's get started. I'm going to be very honest here and say that every time I end up being placed next to Milan Vukmovic at the front row of a fashion show, a smile spontaneously forms on my face. And at the exact same moment, I say a little prayer that the show will run a bit later than normal. This is because Milan is just such a great front row buddy. He and I always end up getting into these extensive philosophical conversations about the current state of fashion. We discuss the nuances of shifting tides of the trends that we picked up over the season and what we both think this might mean for the future of fashion. So you can imagine imagine that with the current upheaval in the industry, I wanted to find a way to have another front row deep dive debrief with Milan. So the two of us jumped onto a Zoom call to hash things out. And what makes talking with Milan so engrossing is that his career in fashion is so varied and vast. He was a multifaceted creative before that was even a thing. Just to give you a bit of background, Milan was born in France to a Serbian family and grew up in Paris. He studied at Esmode and then after an internship at the Jardin des Modes, in 1996 he co-founded the concept store Colette. He went on to become a design director for the Gucci group during the reign of Tom Ford and then came a stint as a creative director of Jill Sander. And after that, he relaunched the magazine L'Officiel Lome Paris as its editor-in-chief and creative director, where, over seven years, he expanded the brand to more than a dozen international versions of the title. Then in 2006, Seven, he returned to designing for a fashion house, this time as the creative director of Trusardi. And as a side hustle, he co-founded the Webster Miami, another ultra-cool concept store. Then in 2011, he launched his own menswear biannual book-magazine hybrid that he named Fashion for Men, of which he remains the editor-in-chief. And if that wasn't enough, he also took on the duty of menswear creative director of Ports in 2015. So Milan clearly likes to keep busy, and his work as a buyer, a designer, a stylist, an editor, and a photographer just to name a few of the titles he's carried over the years, gives him a very unique perspective on the world of fashion. This is why, when we finally were able to connect, I simply pointed Milan in the direction of a topic I wanted to get his thoughts on and let him rip. I'm sure that once you've listened to what Milan has to say, you too will be trying to find a way to sit next to him in the front row at a show. Milan, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me all the way from New York. This is really wonderful. I am dying to speak to you because I have to cards on the table. Every time you and I sit next to each other at the fashion shows, we have the best conversation. So I'm really it's looking true. forward it's to this. <laughs> no, thank you for having me and uh, thinking of me. And it's, uh, it's, it's really nice. And I'm happy to see you also because, you, you know, with all this period, you don't see people anymore. So it's, uh, you know, we all far away from each other and we just see a full screen. So, but it's nice also, you know, so... Um, Thank you. It, Thank you for having me. It's weird because it's so personal to a certain extent because we're having this one-on-one privileged time talking to each other and yet we're not with each other. So it's this bizarre dichotomy. I was looking over, you know, researching you and looking over your 
parcours, as they say in French or history, and you are a fashion renaissance man. You've done it all. You've had every single aspect of fashion. Tell me a, a little bit about how it all began for you. Well, it's true, but, but it's true that I also did it uh, very early, which means long time ago, when it was still sometimes not very accepted or not completely the norm. Today, if you think about everything that Virgil, Bl Virgil Abloh is doing, nobody will even you know be surprised. It's actually super cool. He's a DJ, he's a designer, he's an architect. I mean, he's doing many, many things. But uh, if we see, and you know, you and me are following each other since very long time. So if we go back uh, 20 years before, uh, the fact of a uh, Uh, of someone, uh, you know, coming from Colette, then, you know, going to what was my original uh, love design. So I went to design for Gucci and uh, Gilles Sander and after Trussardi. But, you know, for, for the time, I, I never wanted to, how can I say, if I, for example, when I stopped Gilles Sander, you know, I had like two years almost off. And every time I have time off, I, I can't just wait for another proposal to come to me because in a way creative people are a little bit like actors we need the director to come and, and love us and needs us you know we need the mm -hmm. love mm -hmm. so when it, it doesn't come very early uh, uh, at that time i thought like i should always have something else just in case mm. and also because i was very lucky when i did the s mod in paris uh, for for design i had a lot of uh, free time so when i was 18 or 19 i i worked for as an internship at jardin des modes so very quick i was doing school but then i was learning how a magazine works you know mm -hmm. and i wanted to always see a little bit different aspects of uh, of fashion because first i thought if you if you do all this experience you will understand people much more. So mm -hmm. you will understand journalists, you will understand designers, you will understand the merchandiser, the commercial director, things like that. So it's true that all my experiences was not only because I wanted to learn, um, but also because I, I don't know, I had this thing that I didn't want to depend just on one thing. But then it became also a problem at the beginning because then people, they need to put you a label and a hat. And it was almost like, are you a photographer? Are you a designer? Are you a... And it was, it was really strong for a couple of years. It took time uh, for people to accept the idea. And now it seems completely fine. But uh, really, really, when I look back, it, was, it, was, it wasn't. <laughs> and, you know, and, and it's just maybe I guess also it's a, it's a mix of luck because when I uh, also had this moment off after Gilles Sand and before Trussardi, Marie-José Jaloux came to me and proposed me to launch L'Officiel Homme. And there was no, you know, it was first one Officiel Homme of France. And after seven years, end up being 15 uh, international editions. But I, I, when she proposed to me, I said, I never did a magazine before. Mm -hmm. And she said, but you're creative. You're a visual person. Uh, you love clothes. I mean, you have taste. You, you did Colette, uh, like a shop, like a magazine, whatever. This was mm -hmm. the concept at the beginning. So I'm sure you can do it. I'm glad I did all this challenge because I learned. And probably if I will have not done L'Officiel Homme, I will have never started photography. And now since 15 years, photography is becoming a very important part of my, my work. So now I'm kind of sh not shrinking it, but I'm doing a little bit less. But it's true that there was a moment, uh, if I think back, uh, for example, the moment of Trussardi was a moment where I was designing men and women. I was doing the Webster in Miami still working for L'Officiel Homme and L'Optimum. I mean, it's just like I was... That was crazy. Like, this is the thing, like, I was looking over your, your CV, for example, or, you know, like, and, and I was like, wait, this overlaps with this and, and this project. So you were doing sometimes three, you were like, sounds, this is me saying it, so it doesn't sound pretentious, like a Karl Lagerfeld in, in a, your own way, with, but, you, you know, there's the buying, the designing, the photography, the creative directing of magazines. So it was all of these different things at once. So first question in relationship to that, like, how did you 
manage to do so many things at once? You know, were there different days for different things? How did, or was it all just an amalgamation and everything touched everything else? What is your work process like? Uh, but I, I, in fact, at the time, for example, there was really some days I was in Milan for Trussardi, some days I was in Paris for um, for the magazine. But but the things I think you manage things in a way where. I understood also quite quick. And sometimes when I see young students or people want to work in fashion, first of all, I encourage them always to, uh, you know, do a different experience and not just one. Because I think mm. fashion is one of one of the incredible fields where you can do so many things. You can be a makeup artist, a journalist, a writer, a photographer. I mean, there is so many jobs there that are interesting. And also what happens if, again, you want to be a famous designer, but you never become one. It's good to also do other things. And also now, I think time I've proven that also sometimes makeup artists are becoming photographers. I mean, you know, people are changing. Mm. But no, you manage your time in a way where, you know, I think it's very, very healthy. That's what I'm saying to all people now. To work on something, for example, a week, go away, whatever you do else, and then come back the week after to what you have done two weeks before. It, you come back with a fresh eye, with a... You know, for me to do collections and, for example, a magazine, I can brief, you know, and I can, when I do the magazine, I, I, I see a lot of models. I see the clothes of the other designers. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm opening my mind, which I think that sometimes I notice through the years, and I'm sure you, you know it too. Sometimes some designers have lost themselves because that's the only thing they were doing. And mm -hmm. in fact, they were not seeing anymore what was happening. They're in, in their the bubble. World. Yeah, they bubble, they stick in their style and they don't evolve and everything. And, and as we know, you know, that's also for me, at least one of the biggest lessons I got when uh, I worked at Colette with Colette is that uh, you always, always have to move forward and trying to see what's coming, analyze the situation and say like, okay, this we like it, this we don't like it anymore. This next thing is coming because the, that's almost the fundamental of fashion. You can never say it was better before because, mm -hmm. you know, that's already an old uh, conservator statement. I don't know how you say in English. Yeah, um, yeah, no, so, so it's definitely an old way of, of thinking and fashion is always about the next. It's not even but about it's true the that it's, it's But it's very difficult because it's true that in fact, uh, in fashion, maybe tomorrow you're going to love what you hate today. Uh, but, but so that's why for me, and I think now that I see uh, people like Virgil Abloh and other designers, I, I think that in, in, it's, it works because it's true. You can, I'm sure that when Virgil is doing DJ sets somewhere, it maybe gives him idea for other things because he sees mm -hmm. people there. And, you know, so everything is connected in a way. You do a lot of different things, but every single thing is bringing something to your creativity. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, I'm definitely like, uh, I remember once Gilles Denis was telling me, uh, uh, you are free spirit in fashion, but not because I just uh, want to be free and be by myself, but it's more that I want to be uh, really able to do different things that make me continue to be relevant. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. that, that's something that I don't know why I have this very deep inside of me, because uh, Maybe because I, I analyze a lot what's going on in fashion and I, it's such a movement all the time. It's, uh, it's crazy. Like all, or sometimes all your certainty can change from uh, one season to another. And mm -hmm. now with COVID, we are all completely like reconsider everything. Yeah. So we're all basically living in your, your, your mindset that you've had for years. Everyone is kind of living in it now where everyone is having to figure out new ways to do things, new processes, new way to, to work, to, to interact and everything. But that's, kind of your happy place to a certain extent you like to have that no it is but, but also i have to be honest with you i think the digital is the, the digital technology helped me and i think now help even more the new generation because you can uh, you know it's much less expensive to do a magazine you can do a magazine with your computer at home you know mm -hmm. so everything is a little bit more accessible and uh, and i think it's uh, it's an amazing thing where creativity can with all this new tool can be amazing so 
uh, I, I think that that's a good that's a good thing. But also because I, I think that now we we definitely much more consider that we can have more than just one life, one career. We can have different career, different stories. Maybe every two, three years, a little bit almost like love. Sometimes when you have you know different love story in your life, maybe you have three or four. But no, this for me is fundamental, and I will I I don't think uh, I will ever be able to do just one thing. It's uh, and also because you know after twenty years, also the thing is that my mind is uh, almost like rodé. I don't know how you say in English, but like I'm used now to to you oh, know yeah? if I do something, I'm I'm gonna start to think about I don't know also perfume and smell and beauty what's going on there what's going on i think that's probably also i have to say all the years where uh, at coletta was buying 90 percent of what was in the store uh, i had to go to frankfurt to buy books i had to go to cologne to buy chairs and design because before there was furniture and then fashion and of course sneakers and all so really i was uh, very early I had to go through a lot of different uh, world of creativity. And then I think I become an addict to it. And I, um, it, as I, again, I say, everything you do helps the other thing. So. Yeah, no, I agree. But I, I, wanna, I actually want to get your opinion about the current state of all things fashion because, you know, like designers now are, are doing fittings via Zoom. Your uh, other designers are creating entire collections, you know, digitally, and then and then actually waiting for brands to make their selection in their bod before actually putting anything into production. And and then there's all, of course the eternal debate about the fashion shows, whether they're worth it, the seasons, do they make sense? The, I mean, there's so much that's in flux right now. And again, every time you and I talk, you always seem to have a very great overview sense of things. So I'm very curious about kind of all of these different points. Where do you think we're at? What do you where do you think we're headed? Well, um, one thing that I'm for sure certain is that I think COVID amplified a lot of things that for some part were not already working or were already hanging. You know, COVID just kind of like made it quicker and, and amplified the whole situation. So for example, I'm in America, as you know, the shopping mall, the retail is a little bit of a disaster here. But I have to tell you that, you know, when people say like, oh my God, because of COVID, uh, people are file uh, bankruptcy and things like that but i'm sorry uh, g crew was not going very well before covid uh mm. barney's closed before covid i mean there, mm. there was already uh, i think a, a, a complete system of i think the, for me the fashion industry in america that was not working right anymore and i think even the the whole Ralph Simmons at calvin klein at the time was a symbol that of the for me the incapacity of America to include creativity and business, a little bit like Europe is doing, or LVMH Marshall caring and things like that. Because America mm -hmm. is so much based on business and money, and uh, the whole system was living on outlet also, mm -hmm. you know, to be, yeah. to be frankly. Uh, and it's true that it's a country based with Hollywood, with everything based on marketing and the, the, the facade and the image. So, in fact, in that case, for me, just COVID didn't uh, just amplify the whole situation and just show that, in fact, they, for example, for me, uh, New York Fashion Week should have been already uh, done differently, maybe with more new talent, more new designers, more creativity. And, you know, the same for the magazine. I think the, the magazine were already started to uh, slowly uh, die because of the, the phone and the, the Instagram, the digital and everything. But uh, again, COVID also doesn't help that. There is a lot of things that, uh, you know, there, there was a couple of years I said to a journalist, and I thought I really did a big mistake. I said um, that for me, the fashion state at the time was, yeah, maybe three, four years ago, that I was seeing fashion a little bit like Titanic. Mm. So very luxurious boats, the music was playing, but slowly the boat was sinking. Mm. And the person told me like, oh, but it's very negative. It's very pessimistic. 
And at the time, I said, like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said that. But in fact, I think that this Titanic now is really sinking. But what's amazing, and I didn't know at the time, is that there is almost a new boat platform that is coming. Not only because there is a new generation, but because of all this old way of working magazines and the communication or whatever, because of technology and social media, there is a new wind coming. And I love that because in fact, mm -hmm. in the moment of COVID, for example, where a lot of us uh, stay home or can't travel or things like that, uh, apart the fact that, you know, I don't know if you saw yesterday the press kit uh, letter of Tom Ford, where Tom is uh, basically uh, explaining with a very long letter all how he went through the whole uh, COVID thing. And hmm. he talked about depression. He talked about, you know, things that we all went through, like I don't need clothes because I'm home. I don't need shoes, so I don't need to buy anything. So if I don't travel, if I don't have a party, I don't need to a new dress. So, you know, the, this whole thing about like, the anxiety that the whole economy of also the fashion business is going to be, you know, completely destroyed. So all of that, you know, I felt what he was saying is that we, I think we all went through that. But mm -hmm. then in the same time, for me, for it was also an, a, a perfect moment to rethink things. And you say like, okay, there is also things that are still working actually right now during COVID. Uh, sell online, you know, new... Uh, I will say digital magazine like IB Store, Snobiotic and B, for example, that is very successful uh, and making a lot of money. You know, even what happened last week with Katie Grand and all this new perfect magazine concept. It's, it's kind of, a, that's what I like about fashion. You know, it's like it's, it's changing and COVID is forcing us to brainstorm even faster. And because maybe COVID will not have happened, things will have continued to go maybe a couple of years. But don't you think sometimes when we were in fashion show even together, for me, sometimes I felt strange where, you know, finally on Instagram, people were just seeing the finale of every show. Mm -hmm. But then when you see 10 finale a day for one month, you see so many finale that you already forget the show you've seen last, last week in New York. Or um, even in the morning, <laughs> the same day. Exactly. So in fact, it was too much. And I think everybody felt that, you know, I think there was the big shows, the, the, the shows with, uh, you know, the Chanel show, the decor, the things. I think that I, I still believe in fashion show when COVID will be finished. I think the, 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 the fashion show will remain, but more as a, a huge event, an entertainment for the, for the image of, you know, the company. It will become a marketing thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but realistically, everybody was starting to think, why are we doing all this fashion show that people see on Instagram right away, but they can't buy it because they have to wait for, for six months. And in six months, maybe they like something else. Anyway, the whole mm -hmm. system was already starting not to work so much. And then I think also um, one of the, and this is not about COVID, but uh, I think in the past few years, I think also the suddenly there was almost like an acceleration of, uh, of youth in fashion. Like suddenly everything that looked a little bit old or old way or things like that, like the new generation didn't want to see it anymore. So, yeah, it's the same thing with, it's the same thing with like sustainability where whereas you can see older brands kind of shoehorning in sustainability whereas younger brands is just built into it's baked into the beginning of the brand that it's sustainable. I mean there, there's a, a completely different way of thinking in the same way that a lot of brands today are younger brands are can't afford or foregoing doing fashion shows and doing, you know, pushing their Instagram and direct to consumer and, you know, their shop on their Instagram feed and things like that. I mean, can you, what about that specifically? Because again, the buyers can't travel just like journalists, but um, you know, the buying less, buying, you know, buying it virtually. And then also a lot of, you know, a lot of brands just going like, I'm not going to do with buyers making orders and then canceling and then I have all of the stock. I'm just going to make it as I go and have a direct <clears throat> consumer. Yes, what but you, you know, I, I, uh, 
during COVID, when I did uh, I did a couple of interviews, I spoke with uh, you know people in the industry, and there was really something that I think there was a common thing for everyone. There was too much of everything. Yeah. You know, uh, in the the quantity of everything that was shown or produced or sold was too much. It was yeah. far too big. So in a way, for me, the COVID almost has been also like a was a time to filter a little bit all of this. And if we have mm-hmm. a little bit less collections or brand that maybe we don't need or things like that it's not bad you know or at mm-hmm. least if you do something you have to think more now twice am i relevant i mean what i'm doing is it different from someone else or you can already find it somewhere so uh, i think this new generation uh, is also uh, uh, i work for ports it's a chinese company and obviously china is the future and they're going really, really fast. And, and, yeah. and really, everything, everything they buy is through the phone. So I, I actually, now that we talk together, I, I want to encourage really everybody, if you can, watch The Social Dilemma on Netflix. Uh, oh my God. It's really a game, uh, a game changer. Game changer. And, yeah. and, and then I think you, you understand a little bit the process of everything because we know, we knew already that everybody's on the phone and not turning pages of a paper magazine. But it's crazy how we, all of us, not only sometimes being isolated and more lonely because of this phone, but that's really the, the vision of the world that we have. This is what we pay with a phone, we buy with a phone, we talk with a phone. I mean, we do so many, everything. It's our object now that, you know, it's, not, it's an extension of our body. It's an extension of our body. Yeah. I mean, what's the first thing you do in the morning, right? What's the last thing you do at night? It's your phone. It's not even a kiss. But what I, what I liked one. about the, the, the social dilemma thing is that uh, that's also something I, I believe very deeply. They, they basically warn us in this uh, documentary because they say about the addiction, about, you know, the isolation, uh, the fact of, uh, you know, also, I, I think for me, sometimes social media can be very dangerous in a way where you, it's a little bit of a voyeur exhibitionist thing, you know? So you look at people who seems very happy or very lucky, or very famous, or whatever. And then it also always almost works as a mirror to think, and me? Oh, mm-hmm. I'm not in New York. I'm not in Milano. Oh, I didn't receive this bag. Oh, I did. they didn't send me those flowers. Why did they send it to him? I wasn't or invited to that party. Dinner, oh, or you see, yeah, a dinner, even with friends, not even for fashion, but for friends. And you say, like, why am not? I was not invited? So this whole thing is, you know, I'm glad that they won a little bit, and I love the technology and everything. But you know, I, I, when I saw that, I really thought also of the. For me, you know, fashion has this uh, is a business and needs to sell. And I think most of the time, fashion companies, fashion industry is ready to sell their soul to make more money. So mm. basically, to give up on something and then just go for the next thing. Yeah. And and I think there was really a moment, and I, I'm I'm still really convinced about that. I hate when people tell me like, you know, magazines are dead. Mm-hmm. It's true. But I also think that there was a lot of magazines that could have done it better or mm-hmm. could have adapted to the new world. And I think when we started to see reality TV stars on fashion magazine, this is not what I wanted to see. And I think that mm-hmm. that was not the right way to do. So obviously it was made to have clicks and, you know, and, and, and all this yeah. new generation. Exactly. But, and that's what you understand in social dilemma is that this, this, this competition to get more clicks in everything is also, I, I think, like you lower the level of everything. And I yeah. explain you why. Because if uh, you want more people to look at you, your TikTok, your whatever, everything you do, and everything, you talk to a much bigger audience. So it's mm-hmm. very democratic. That's great. But in fact, we know now that most of the sales online are less than $500 uh, 500 euro the majority i mean if you look at amazon for example and everything i mean a lot of things are really 
under even 100. Mm -hmm. So I think that uh, what is changing also uh, in fashion is that before we're seeing fashion show with incredible codes, blah, blah, blah. The reality is people buy more and more t-shirts, sweatshirts, denim pants, shorts, things that are easy to buy online. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's a, uh, I'm glad uh, and I understand if uh, Montclair say they're going to triple their, their budget for the digital uh, advertising and start to stop print. But then I think it's a pity that, you know, they don't try to make survive, even if it's smaller, a certain community because yeah. for me fashion, uh, fashion magazine were also editing filter uh, you know point of view you write yeah, you have a view. taste you have you know yeah. and, and this is something that uh, you know we we all kind of are responsible for killing it in a way because mm -hmm. we always want to go to the to the thing that works the most or makes the you know the influencer who has the most like or whatever without sometimes thinking about level of quality and what it will do in the long term well, so i mean that's one of the um, reasons the reasons i started doing podcasts is because it was so painful for me to do interviews with people that i admire or, or people who had amazing things to say and had to edit it down to five or six hundred words or a thousand words and couldn't couldn't exactly, do so exactly. this is why i wanted to have you know 40 minutes with somebody have a a real conversation and then also as far but as that's magazine, why for example you know I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm i'm fighting with my magazine fashion for men i yeah. did the opposite of everybody i did the book it's very heavy it's 600 page the paper is beautiful the print is beautiful but because it's something that you keep is a exactly. niche uh, but uh, i try to explain to everybody sometimes it's better to talk to less people but quality people than millions of people who are not even going to buy your product or they're going to buy one of your product that is a little bit lower and then even for them if they start this this competition to the click like i call it it means that also the cost of doing a fashion company don't change somehow the salary of designers the advertising the marketing the shows i mean mm -hmm. all of those, those costs remain so it means that you you have to sell even more t-shirts and sneakers yeah. Because, you know, you sell a, uh, an incredible fur coat or cashmere coat or whatever, you know, 10,000, 20,000. It makes money. But uh, T-shirts, you have to sell a lot to make the same. Yeah, I sell a lot of T-shirts to make up for that one jacket. And, well, and, yeah. we're, and we're in the exact same boat because Oda, like your magazine is, you know, a biannual. It's like four or 500 pages. It's like a, it weighs, you know, two kilos. You got to carry it around. I mean, it's a commitment. But I feel like it's a, a souvenir, you know, whereas like a monthly magazine, you, you can't really have news because they're already out of date by the time they come out. And it, 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 yeah, for me, that seems like it's the future. It's either going to be online and, and then it's going to be kind of capsules of a moment in time where these biannuals that are bigger, thicker, and you're having like deeper, richer conversations. For me, that, no, but, that but, makes but, sense. Yeah. And also, I think what uh, uh, you're saying is, and what you're doing, for example, right now, I think it's the perfect example of what I was saying. There is one boat that is sinking, but there is a new thing that's coming. And for example, you find this idea of podcast to do. And, you know, and at the end, it's better because you have more time. Uh, you can really talk with people and everything. So, you know, th good things come. That I'm, I'm not a pessimistic person at all. I'm, no. I'm super optimistic in general. I'm realistic, but optimistic. Uh, but I, I really think that all of us, though, have a responsibility you know if we don't fight for what we believe and and i think that you know you said about everything i do and uh, and all my career and everything but there is something i never never gave up is uh, my soul my my emotions my passion even when i was wrong you know i mean i i think you need to allow people to do mistakes it's very mm -hmm. important but to to continue to fight for 
deeply what you believe. Definitely be aware of what's going on and the change of everything. Because as we say, you need to be relevant. That's something very important. But still, I think, uh, uh, you know, say to the brand, to the people, whatever, what you're fighting for. I think it's very important. Uh, and, and I can really... somehow... Mm-hmm. No, it's no, like I somehow, really, I... for example, the last, uh, the last, sorry, the last issue uh, uh, I did, we, we, I did an issue in America in May. It was like the, the COVID, the, 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 there was uh, the curfew. I mean, the, everything was complicated to do a magazine. But then the reaction when the magazine came out was actually much stronger than usual. Hmm. Even the designers, for the first time, write me personal emails or, or messages or DM or whatever to appreciate, you know, from Alessandro Michele to, 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 to Virgil, to Kim. Mm-hmm. And I was happy because you show to them that you have done something that was not easy and you fight for it. So people appreciate it, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that people should really continue to believe for, uh, you know, quality and, and support and what the quality is right to do. Yeah. And not always Absolutely. going with the flow of what, uh, is working now because we know very well that you know you can do something good uh, today and be uh, disappear from the fashion world uh, next year so we we know oh, a lot so of true. people that came and go <laughs> yes um, we do so, uh, but, we're still here though we're still here for the moment i did want to ask you about working with ports because you mentioned it is you know owned by a chinese company and you've also worked you know with trusardi you worked with you know buying it and you know co-founding colette starting with colette and uh, amongst and Jill Sanders, I mean, you've, you've worked with a lot of different people from a lot all over the world. I've been with my relationship because uh, my husband works with uh, some, you know, has Chinese partners. Is that the speed with which they work, the efficacy of how they get stuff done? I'm just curious to, as to what it's been like for you with working with them as compared to everyone else that you work with, like more. Uh, oh, it's a, it's a, it's it's very 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 different. It takes a lot of time to understand also the culture of hmm. how. The relationship, how you talk, um, it, it's, for example, someone told me one day, be very careful, you can't offend them, it's uh, very important, you need to be very diplomatic, very political, things like that. So when once you know that, then it's already a first step. After, yes, they're very efficient, they have, uh, I have to say, soldiers, you know, it's a little bit also the <laughs> communist country. But it's true that uh, they are very, very efficient and there are so many that anyway, whatever you do there, you can sell millions of pieces, you know, because there are mm. millions of, of Chinese, billions of Chinese. So, and it's true that it's also like a, a, a quite young uh, system where really the, 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 the technology is everywhere. When you go to Korea, even for example, it's, you know, Samsung is everywhere in fashion, connected to MTV. I mean, already they, they, they were the first to understand all this digital thing also. So no, I think by the quantity of uh, the population, I think that anyway, it's the market of the, the future for luxury, for fashion and everything, because yeah. it's a make number. What's crazy this year is that in a way they're doing better than all of us, because mm-hmm. after they had their moment uh, in January, that was very, you know, difficult for them and everything. Uh, in a way, the business is coming back there much quicker than it's coming in America or in Europe, for example. So in a way, I'm glad that I'm, I'm working. But I'm learning a lot also. You know, it's um, from what we were saying at the beginning, for me, it's also like, uh, again, like an actor. You know, if uh, I was doing Port 961, that was a luxury men brand, fashion yeah. brand. And then after three years, they say to me that I went to China and they say, you know, um, don't you think that maybe for men we could... Uh, there will be another way, maybe more streetwear, maybe more sportswear for a new generation of millennials. I couldn't say no because they were right. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, I was very excited. So I had no problem to, you know, 
stop doing luxury fashion show in Milano and focusing on a completely new streetwear brand, doing the logo, the packaging, the advertising, everything. It was very, very exciting experience. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's like an actor who, you know, whatever one day needs to be to take a lot of weight for a role and then be skinny for another one and whatever. I, I, I like this because I think sometimes also some, uh, again, some designers are, are lasting for a certain period and after they, they don't evolve. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's my thing, or that not terrify me, but I don't want to uh, to to experience that. It's uh, you want to keep challenging you know. yourself. Yeah, you mentioned yeah. that uh, you you're you're kind of honing in as much as you had expansive and put you know you had a lot of quivers in your bow, tried a lot of different things. You mentioned that photography is starting to be more of a, a, a center of focus for you now. What is it about the that area of photography that you are feeling drawn to but it's 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 also like uh, you know to be honest I, I i'm also very honest i think i'm a much better photographer today than i was 15 years ago because i was really started you know out of the blue i never did the school blah, blah. i worked with Avedon and famous photographers in my life so I, I i saw how they work and everything but anyway so i started and i know that now my work is much more appreciated but that that's also something that i'm allowing myself to do you know and i think sometimes also sometimes people didn't like that because uh, they judge my work but uh, i see my work as an evolution not as uh, like i'm trying to do better each time not work so it's almost like now since let's say one year or two after 15 years people really start to like my photography and in fact i think that if people advertise you know the next issue of fashion for men in november will be 10 years the, the celebration and anniversary issue and uh, like everybody during covid in june i thought the issue will be canceled because i would lose all the advertisers and everything and i believe me 90 percent of people are there so i was really like well, people continue to support this magazine. Uh, obviously, it's the magazine, so it's also my photography, and they allow me, they give me money to create, in a way, you know, to, 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 mm -hmm. to do beautiful stories. But then also what I realized uh, slowly is that I was telling them that at the end, then it's not because I'm going to photograph a piece of clothing of whatever Prada or Dior that they're going to sell more thanks to me because that's mm. not working like this anymore. But I'm creating content for them. So mm. in fact, also, I think magazines are changing in a way where, in fact, we are uh, producers of content, creators content of content that, in fact, people, all the labels can also use on their social media. Because if you think that every brand has to maybe make a post a day all year long, they can't produce everything and it will cost them too much money. So in fact, as you see at Prado Saint Laurent, it's nice to see the, the, the Instagram, the social media, where it's a mix of advertising, lookbook, editorial, things like that. So maybe that's also a new place, a new direction for, for all of us in the industry of, you know, industry of magazines. We're creating content and that's how I work. And this content is my photography. And I'm, I'm glad that, you know, I, they allow me to do this and uh, that people seem to like it uh, more and more. But, um, but, you know, that, that said, I, uh, during COVID, I decided to completely redo my uh, website also that, you know, I didn't do for a couple of years. And uh, if you also see how website blogs have been done, I don't know, five years ago and now, it's completely different. You know, the, the mm -hmm. system, the video, the things. So I called people in New York and I said, like, let's do it. Let's, let's change everything. You know, I, I really want to, to challenge myself with that. So it's a lot of exciting things. In fact, I think mm -hmm. maybe I want to keep myself exciting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're always exciting. You're always on to the new and on to the next. 
Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you my five generic fashion questions now. So that I ask everybody. Okay. So, okay. Here we go. Your the first question is, what is your favorite piece of clothing that you own? Actually, I have to say it's a, probably a peacoat uh, cabane navy from uh, Christophe de Carmin, uh, first collection at Balmain. I'm a big fan of Christophe, and uh, I, I have a great admiration for him. Um, I think he should he should really do more than what he do now. But I, I really, uh, I love this cabane. It's for me like the most perfect Picot navy with gold button for men. And it's uh, it's probably one of my favorite pieces here. Okay. What's, what's he up to, by the way? What is he doing? I think, um, I know he was doing a French, uh, was it French Connection or something like that? Then he stopped. And now I think he works on another brand, but I don't remember the, the, the brand. Okay. For men and women, most people, like we were talking about earlier, they don't have a lot of budget to spend on a you know a designer piece I mean you can make the argument if you buy a, a piece of that's more expensive quality in the long run you'll wear it longer and it'll end up costing less but if there was one piece item of clothing you would say to a man or woman that you know spend the money on this what would that be well I would say that I think uh, every man should have uh, in his wardrobe the perfect camel uh, coat uh, single breast or double breast but I think that you know in autumn and winter it's really a piece where I think since I'm in fashion never went out of fashion the camel coat is really a piece that I think women men should always have I saw that even fear of God did a lot of camel perfect jackets perfect coat and it's true that it's something that never never goes out in fashion never and it's also usually one of the most selling thing too so it's very rare when you have Something that stay in fashion and also commercial because usually it doesn't go together. That's one of the few things I don't have. So now I know what to buy for a fall. <laughs> um, <laughs> who is your favorite designer, living or dead? I would say uh, dead and I will say on the, the same level, Alexander McQueen and Yves Saint Laurent for me. Mm -hmm. Every time I think about what they're doing and I had the chance to uh, interview uh, uh, Alexander McQueen uh, before he died, incredible artist. You know, that's, that's, that's something that sometimes, for example, I miss now where I think it will be almost impossible that uh, those, if those people were coming now in fashion, I don't know if fashion will give them the money to do, uh, you know, everything they were doing because it was a business, but they were also creating uh, as artists. And I think they both suffered a lot, uh, mm -hmm. maybe not only because of fashion, but of other issues. But still, I think that it's very difficult when you're a real artist to work in a business where money is so important. I think they, they yeah. were suffering a lot about that. And uh, so really, but anyway, even the, the whatever Saint Laurent did is just incredible. And uh, yeah, there are two, two, two masters, I mm -hmm. have to say. Um, and today, you know, I have, there is a couple of people that I really admire. I mean, I still, uh, I admire Alexandre Michele. I have to say that uh, what he's doing at Gucci is uh, far from what people think of, uh, you know, vintage 70s style. I think it, there, there is, uh, when we were going to look back, I think that he did, a, he really made a real revolution in a way of, uh, you know, changing the beauty code and uh, going to personalities and differences and uh, opening minds, you know, of all of us. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I admire him for that. And I also think that whatever he do, there is so much uh, behind um, research, you know, of art and, and history and things like that. And I'm fascinated by that. So uh, I really, really admire him. And uh, I don't know why many times people were saying like, oh, you will see, we'll get uh, tired of it. It will be finished soon. And no, it's, I, I think that he proven, and I had no doubt that uh, what he's doing is a, uh, is 
I will say maybe he's an artist also. I mean, he has what the different, I think, with Alessandro and uh, with the designers before is that he probably has a very strong commercial merchandising sense too. Because now anyway, you can't become you a designer to. if you don't have it. You have it because cool is, is telling you that you have it. So mm -hmm. that's also, I think, the new... Uh, the chance of the new uh, designers but uh, and I think that's why it's successful but there is people that I might like Sakai also I really uh, love mm -hmm. what she does since uh, yeah. I, I think Sakai could should have uh, a much more important uh, maybe she don't want she just wants to do a brand but I think she could definitely do a big house uh, mm -hmm. and I, I don't explain myself why she, she didn't uh, and of course I mean like everybody I would love to see Phoebe Philo uh, coming back somewhere because I uh, she has been so copied the last uh, 10 years that it's uh, just for me incredible. You, you seem to have like little children of Phoebe collections that sell in that continue to come out. Uh, it's in incredible. You know, it's uh, it, again, when I was saying before, when you, I like to analyze everything and, and open my eyes. And really, if you see the influence that uh, Celine and Phoebe had, it's incredible. Incredible. Yeah, the ripple effects are, are, are being felt for, I don't know, how long has it been now? It's been a, half a half a decade already and still, you know, yeah. it continues, continues. Yeah, she's mm. always a reference. Mm. And I was just, sorry, I forget before, but Mucha Prada and Prada for me has a very special place in my heart because I'm, uh, uh, I, I think that uh, Mucha is an incredible example that at her age and what this company is doing to be still relevant after so many years, every season, I think mm -hmm. there is no brand like this. If you think about it, Gucci changed three or four times. I mean, every brand is changing designer. Prada for already, what, 20, 25 years? Wow. It's, it's to, to stay at the top like that. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, look, look, before we go to this, that, my second to last question, then I do want to kind of evolve on that thought because we just have Kim coming in to, to step into, well, no one can fill Carl's shoes, but going to, to Fendi while he still does men's at Dior. And we have Utra coming and Raph teaming up. What do you think about these sort of collaborations, which is a kind of this new animal, fashion animal? I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's quite different. Uh, on, on one hand, I think that uh, from what I know, uh, Mucha and Raph appreciate each other since many, many years. And I think they have the same common passion for art. And today, obviously, Fondazione Prada is, is everything for Prada also. It's, you know, not only the, the business, but the image also of the company and everything. So I think that he was almost like the natural son, let's say, uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that could take over uh, the creativity. And obviously, as we all aging, I, I think that uh, probably the company is probably thinking about the future and Raph could be the, the, the right hair for the, the continuity of, of Prada, which was not easy, you know, before people say like, oh, what's going to happen when, the, you know, they're not going to be there anymore. And the case of Kim, I think it's a completely different way where I think today, I'm very happy for Kim. I think he really wanted to do women. And so I'm glad that mm -hmm. he's doing it. And I'm, I'm super curious and uh, I can't wait to see it because whatever it's Kim or other people, I always give uh, whatever, you know, I love Kim, but sometimes there is people that I don't like who do something. And I'm always like, I want to see the first, you know, I'm open. Like I really say, yeah. give them chance. Because let's see what they do. And after you judge, but not before. But what's interesting, in, I think, in, uh, in the choice of Kim is also very, I know for years, a uh, friend with Sylvia Fendi, so it's also making sense. But I think Kim is also the same generation, or at least the same uh, now community of Virgil Abloh and, and, you know, Nike. I mean, this whole kind of new generation that actually has everything on social media. So obviously, I think Kim is also becoming a, 
great expert in uh, you know dealing with social media and how he, he promotes everything he's doing and everything. But he really created a real community of a lot of people around him. Mm -hmm. And I think that the the symbol of that is that at the end, when we were talking about the social dilemma and the the, the, the thing for the clicks, uh, I think that it's actually quite obvious that I think LVMH has also a strategy of choosing people now who have a very, very strong impact on social media in every mm -hmm. way. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think that, that's uh, on top of the talent of Kim. I think it's, uh, I think probably the reason why they choose. It's Kim. a bonus. Um, yeah. 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 No, it's, I think even more than a bonus, it's, uh, it, it's like um, uh, you, you choose someone who has already like an incredible connection on, on social media in every country. And not a lot of designers have that. If you think about it, really, a lot of designers don't have that at all. Very true. And I think what's going to happen probably because of that is that the next generation, we're going to see, I think GW Anderson, Jonathan, is very strong in uh, social uh, media since a couple of years mm -hmm. for his brand and also for Lueve. He, he knows exactly how to... But we're going to see more and more new generation uh, coming who are going to do this also like easy, you know, like it will be normal. Yeah. So um, yeah. I, I, I think it's, it's, it's really something, it's the future. The, there is two, two things I always have to put a little uh, uh, warning. I think one, when there will be more people doing that, then again, there will be too much of everything, too much images, too much, uh, you know, so too mm -hmm. much noise because uh, now... Uh, I think more brand makes noise, better it is. But then if everybody starts to make noise, it will be uh, yeah, too much. Uh, so I think it's, uh, it's a little bit dangerous to, uh, to do that. And, um, and then to be honest with you, when I heard the news about Kim, uh, because I know him and I really like him, I don't know why. The first thing I thought uh, is the amount of work it's going to have. <laughs> yeah. and I, I was, no, and I was almost like not worried, but I was like, wow, you know, I, I know how hard he worked already at Dior and how tough it is because it's not easy, you know, to do all of that and to do the collection, the creativity, the ideas, the, the, the to deal with so many the world people, the shows. so many yeah. products and then being on your phone all the time. And I thought like, wow, <laughs> he's, adding, he's adding a woman uh, collection that probably if it's the haute couture, the cruise, the, you know, if it's coming back to the same system before, wow, I, I just, I know it will be well surrounded and everything, but uh, almost like a, like a friend, I was worried. I was like, it's, it's really a, a lot of work and I, and I hope he, he can because uh, the difference, I think also when, uh, I think the 80s, 90s, when Carl or Yves Saint Laurent or whatever were there, I think they didn't have the same pressure that I think designers have today about numbers, merchandising, marketing, promotion, event. I mean, everything is, uh, has to, again, have clicked everywhere blah, blah, blah. it's it's uh, the pressure is uh, is very strong and the thing about social media is also we all getting bored very fast yeah more and more because we see so yeah. much every day that you should do always the same you're getting bored so the pressure also to renew yourself all the time is really bigger and and somehow maybe before you had you know because you work with Susie yeah there was Susie there was Cathy Oring there was Vogue there was some filters but now everybody is a filter everybody has an opinion everybody can say anything on social media so also you have to be very strong in taking the bad criticism the good criticism because it's the world it's not just like yeah. journalist you know it's it's uh, the pressure the hate that can happen sometimes uh, the mistake you can do you know the the whole confusion star the diet prod. I mean, really, it's a, the, the, the appro cultural appropriation. That it's so much more pressure now for a designer to be relevant, creative, commercially successful, and always uh, new. It's, uh, I see a lot of them 
who actually at the moment are at the top quite tired. Sometimes I mm -hmm. see them in the pressure is, uh, so maybe COVID helped everybody to calm down. I was about to say, I, I know a lot of designers were like, it was so great to not to have to travel and to be in one place. And I mean, there are definitely challenges, but to take a beat and to reflect, which, you know, just never happens, never happens. Um, all yeah, right. Yeah. So let me circle, let me circle back around to my second and last question, which is what trend will you never follow? What trend I will never follow? Uh, for example, I have to say I, I work a uh, few seasons. I work with some logos or things like that, but me personally, I will always avoid wearing logos. That, that's something that, for example, I, uh, I said that many times uh, in the past, but I, I, I don't think that you need the logo of a brand to give you a personality. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I really believe that the, the way you dress should amplify your personality, not hide your personality. Mm -hmm. and, and in fact, I, I think sometimes, and I think it happened always over and over and over again, because fashion is also a social statement. It can show how much money you have or how cool you are. So in fact, young generation always go in the same trap. So like, I need to have this whatever FF piece, Fendi piece, Gucci piece, uh, uh, vêtement piece, Balenciaga piece, whatever. But this is something I actually really, really don't like because uh, again, I like creativity. I like, I love fashion. I work in fashion, but I don't think mm -hmm. you need a logo on yourself for, for being cool. You know, it's... Uh, do, you, do you think that's still a... the, do you think that's still the same the case though? Because I, I get the feeling with the Gen Zs uh, and up to a certain extent the millennials, this whole idea of having the it bag or the logo or, or, or whatever is, is not what it used to be. It's, there seems to be much more a, a sense of individuality or, or are you not seeing that? Uh, no, because I also, again, you know, I forget to tell you this before because I work for China and, and, and I think the, the, the new consumer in China are uh, much more younger, you know, and, and more to technology and everything. But I think the way they buy is a little bit like uh, uh, they were the con like the consumer were in Europe 20 years ago. Yeah, they're still mm -hmm. very hungry about fashion. They, the the fashion is there are so many that you know buying fashion is is really a statement. I yeah. think that now in Europe, if you have I don't know, you go out and you have a crocodile and expensive things and blah blah, blah people look at you like really seriously. Do you need that? But I think in a lot of new countries, let's say with new billionaires and things like that, you still need like in the 80s to show, uh, you know, what you buy and the price of what you buy. And obviously the logo also. Yeah. And, uh, and so you see it also on rappers or basketball players or things like mm -hmm. that. They love fashion, but they consume fashion like we used to consume fashion <laughs> in a way. Mm -hmm. um, but don't forget also that um, I think this whole trend of logo is also part of a uh, confusion when you start to see sometimes a little bit the same things everywhere, camouflage, checks, uh, you know, the same thing because there is less inspiration. And when you buy online, on a shop online or on your phone, it has to be very photogenic, yeah. you know, because you don't see the back, you don't see that. So people care less about how it's cut, the structure. They want, they see something that is flat and they just want to buy it right away. So it has to be kind of, you know, photogenic and understandable right away. So I would say a sweatshirt, it can be always the same, but then you change the logo, the graphic, the part, and the, the things like that. Uh, you you so know, also the, the sales, the, the sales, the sales online have an impact on the creativity. Yeah, that was. I remember one of the last shows that Albert Albaz did at Lanvin was was really felt like it was all catered to Instagram Nation. You know, like it was all of these bright colors because he used to do these great, almost all black, dark shows, yes. and he's like. The only the only photos that people will post are of the red dress or the print with the bright you know with the big blooms on it. So he's like, this is what people want to see. It's gotta it's gotta 
pop for Instagram. Otherwise, you know, there you don't. You know, resonate. it's a little bit what happened to street style at the beginning. Street style. The the idea was to photograph us people of the industry how we were dressing up and how we were mixing things and make it personal. And then slowly, because the 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 you know social media became so strong. And there was a new generation came and tried to dress just for the show. And they were not even maybe journalists or editors, just influencers. And, and they knew that more extravagant they were or more they had uh, whatever I would call sometimes clown, more they were photographed. Yep. And that's also what changed a lot in the street style. And so in a way, you could see how a uh, digital world is changing the aesthetic, the level of uh, in so many, so many ways, in fashion, in so many uh, fields. It's, 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 I think we underestimate uh, still the deep change more than COVID. I think the, the whole digital social media thing is uh, really changing fashion very deeply. Yeah, I think it's a very profound, fundamental paradigm shifting change in the way we see the world and interact with the world, for sure. All right, last question. And that's, what, that's, why, that's why I was saying before, I think we, you know, few of us who still believe in things of quality and, and uh, you know, different, not do the same as everybody. Uh, I feel sometimes being almost like a resistant, you know, like resistant, <laughs> you know, trying to, yeah, you know, have a voice because... Uh, fight the good uh, fight. Yeah. You know, uh, or people will say like, oh my God, uh, when cinema arrives, people will not go to opera or theater. And then when TV arrives, people will not go to cinema and Netflix arrives, they don't go to... It's not true. You know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it changed, but thanks God opera still exists. Maybe it's for less people, but it's still there and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I just like, you know, space for everything and not just one single direction that everybody's going sometimes. Uh, okay. So to wrap this up, what do you love most about fashion? I think the change and that strangely enough, fashion is about change and youth. So in fact, it's one of the best uh, uh, youth elixir or, or that exists, a fountain of youth, because it keeps you young to work in fashion. I mean, some people don't stay young or, you know, whatever, don't move on. But I think it's a, that's what at least that's what I like in fashion is that I it's so changing all the time. There is so many uh, levels of creativity to do that uh, it's exciting. You know, you never get bored with fashion. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and it's also something that, for example, in, uh, in uh, March, I was doing an interview uh, on FaceTime like that with uh, MF Fashion. And I was saying how I was sad that sometimes people were doing TikTok and showing their, you know, their dog on Instagram and their pizza they eat and everything. I say, why people are not using Instagram more as a political, you know, sometimes values or, or fighting for what we believe. And in fact, after one or two months, the whole George Floyd and the whole thing appeared. And I was so happy to see that finally people realized that we have also power with this phone to express ideas, value, things we can mm-hmm. fight for, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, this, this, this for me was also something that uh, I'm glad that happened. So that's why I, I like all of this. I think we, we're not just creative people. We have a voice and we can, uh, I'm, I'm happy that now we can, you know, people say before, like, you know, you just do fashion, you do clothes. We don't need you guys to tell us, you know, things about ideas and value and things. I say, why not? Like an artist, a painter, or a movie director, I'm sorry. They're also creative and they're trying to uh, change ideas or give new ideas or things like that. I think fashion has a responsibility too. I agree. I agree. So, Minon, I've decided we have to do this at least every six months or an annually that we get on and we do a new podcast and we talk about what's going on in the world because this has just been a delight for me. Thank you so, so much for taking the time. No, no, thank you. Wonderful. I'm really glad. Have a nice uh, weekend. Yes, uh, 
you know, I, I, I really strongly believe that things are going to slowly back to normal because anyway, the world is done like that. And we, you can't, you know, uh, after a certain time, people would like to, you know, go to shows again, travel again, eat again, see friends. It's just a question of time. Uh, I think sometimes people are too pessimistic about uh, what's going on. Uh, yes, we will meet the again. Best of it, you know? yeah, exactly. We will meet again, Milan. <laughs> Thank you. Bye, Bye Jessica. Merci beaucoup. Bye, Ciao. Ciao. Bye. Don't want to miss an episode of Fashion Your Seatbelt? No problem. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and click on the subscribe button. Then every new episode will drop into your feed automatically. No fuss, no muss. Believe me, I know. I'm Jessica Michaud.